0: On this episode of Animation Deliberation, we are covering Masters of the Universe Revelation. That's right, this highly anticipated series from Netflix, from Kevin Smith, has dropped, and we are excited to provide our instant reactions. Stay tuned for that right after these ads. We have no control over that's right. The forces of Skeletor are taking over. Stand by. <laughs>
1: When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at solomonbrothers.com, solomonbrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best.
0: Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome back to animation deliberation. I'm your host, J. Scotty St. Clair, and I have with me returning guests, Brian V. Klein and Dale Morris. Welcome back, Brian. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm doing fantastic which doesn't seem to be somewhat of a, an opinion right now, but I am Bottom line, boom. book
0: next. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into that. We'll dive into that. But I think, uh, I think the three of us here are, are pretty excited for it, but Dale, welcome back. Thanks for being here. How are you?
3: Thanks for having me. I'm feeling powerful.
0: Awesome. Awesome. You have the power. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, let's not waste any time here whatsoever. The, the series is out. We just did our primer episode last week. So I'm excited to have you two guys as big he guys back. Let me know what are your initial impressions? What did you think of Masters of the Universe, Revelation, at least the first five episodes here?
3: Uh, it, it, was, it was a blast. A, a lot of fun. There was uh, some, some shocking things um but just so so entertaining to see um uh, see uh, someone else get their hands on the the story uh, and take it in a in a whole new direction i i loved it
2: awesome so did i um i thought it was excellent i love the animation i like that house the the animation house that does it anyway from castlevania to begin with but i just love the I design believe. um i love that it was pretty much just like a walking 80s toy commercial too because of all the the vehicles and stuff that they reused from originally and actually seeing Stinkhorn in an episode, <laughs> but yeah, it was shocking. A lot of shocking in a sense of some of the ways that they told the story. But we'll we'll get bid I I give it a solid nine out of ten right now, and I've uh, I was not disappointed.
0: Yeah. As being a relatively new fan of Masters of the Universe, I I agree with you guys. I thought it was excellent. I thought the animation was top-notch. I thought the vocal performances were stellar. And again, even only recently having become endeared to a lot of these characters and concepts, there were some big swings, and I thought they paid off pretty well. And I felt the stakes right off the bat. So no need to to bury the lead here. Let's, Let's talk about it. They kill off... Prince, Prince Adam and He-Man as well as Skeletor in the first episode. Mm-hmm. What did what, you guys think?
2: I was just, uh, I went, okay. Um, <laughs> that was a way that to tell the story. Now, first off, the, the way that I look at this too, is that the first five episodes, they do have their plot break moments at the end of each episode and start of the next one. But if you look at it almost as one, two hour movie. I mean, it was set up like a two hour movie. You could call it uh, Tila's quest for redemption or T- I mean, Tila was the main focus on this. And we sort of knew it from the groups and stuff like that, but sure. it wasn't lacking anything that was the heart of the original show. As far as I was concerned, if anything, it was it took it into the next step that they could have went. Uh, A lot of people, and I've seen this a couple of times, are used to the original series where it was pretty much one story next, one story next, one story. It didn't have a continuing arc over a course of even like how how Transformers and G.I. Joe would have three to five episode arcs. It was always one story, go to the next one, whatever. This one, they set it up to be a five episode first half of the season story almost, which if you, you could pr- pretty much break it down. It would be about a two hour movie, maybe about 118 minutes. So just short of that, but it sure it felt like that to me. And by the end of it, it did the, the, the stakes weren't higher. The only problem I had with it is, is that the end scene was spoiled because they already released that. They, they released a Skelligot toy. I have it already. So now uh-huh. I'm just like, as soon as it sort of happened, I'm like, oh, okay, I see where this is going now. <laughs> Literally, but I didn't even think about that at all until Adam gets killed for the second time, right. supposedly. <laughs> Apparently, he probably won't be, but they'll do something, but they leave you hanging that you think he's dead. But it's just like, oh, okay, there's the toy now. That I, cause it, 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 it was out of my mind, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now we got the Skelly God. So sorry for the ramble, but I was just kind of excited no, no. about this. You're good. You're good.
3: I, I, I hear you. Yeah, the the very first uh piece of revelation merchandise to hit the shelf was saved to the very last moment of these five episodes and and if you thankfully I kind of forgot about that. Um mm-hmm. so I I wasn't thinking in my head, okay, this is when Skeletor comes back as a god. So, um it didn't it didn't ruin anything as far as knowing that that was a piece of merchandise, uh but that's just kind of funny that that was the first thing that was out and it's, you know, very much luke at the end of force awakens and they are right before your rolling credits
0: <laughs> <laughs> right well luke is a very fitting comparison because we had mark hamill step into the role of skeletor so what did you guys think about that performance
2: i loved it he did go a little bit i mean whatever hamill plays a bad guy it has to it usually has a tendency to trail off sometimes into his most iconic bad guy voice acting role he's ever done, which was the Joker on the Batman, the animated series. Sure. But that's just a tendency on voice actors to begin with. For the most part, it sounded like Skeletor in my mind. It didn't. Some of the other characters took a little bit of time for me to adjust to their voices, mm. but with him, it was just sort of like, okay, I know that's Skeletor and I, I mean, okay. it's, it's Hamill though. So he's going to, he's going to give you everything he has.
3: I I agree. I I thought it was uh, one of the better performances. It was very similar to Brian Dobson's take on the Mike Young Productions He-Man series from 2002. Um, Mm -hmm. Very close to that, which I thought was a great take. So um, if if you're ranking them, they're all above New Adventure Skeletor, but they're all quality (laughs) Skeletors.
0: Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I thought he did a great job. I can, I definitely heard a little bit of that inflection there that was reminiscent of the Joker. I will agree, but I, I watched that the after show because Brian, you made me aware that it even existed, so I was glad to, to see that. And they did interviews with a lot of the voice actors, and they they spent a good amount of time with Mark Hamill, and he kind of talked about workshopping the role, and um, some of his favorite parts were the more gleeful acts, aspects and kind of getting to gloat. And th- those were definitely some of my favorite parts of the performance as well. But you, you talked about some of the characters that took a little bit of adjusting. Um, anybody in particular come to mind?
2: Merman. For me, yeah, <laughs> Merman was a little different. Uh, well, a lot different actually, because he didn't have that underwater like warble bubble girl, girl thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, Orco and Cringer. Okay, uh, those were just j- just because you have it they're so ingrained, like I think I mentioned on the primer, there's certain voices you hear. When you hear Starscream from Transformers, you hear a certain voice. That thing is more reminiscent of the voice. You hear Megatron's voice. You hear Orco had a certain voice. Cringer had a certain... These voice yeah. performances that were done uh, were fantastic. I mean, Steven Root did a great job as Cringer oh, yeah. for the you know, amount yeah. he was in there. He gave them a new voice. It it just took a little bit of getting used to. Someone like uh, Lena Hedy popping in as Eva Lynn not a problem oh. because it wasn't a very her voice, the voice performance of the actress that played her originally wasn't something that was recognizable as okay. uh, what it was. Even, you know, Henry Rollins' Triclops or uh, sure. Beast Man. Um, it was overall, it was at first. That's the thing when you see a star studded voice cast of actors who aren't normally voice actors in things, you're sort of just like, oh, how's this going to work? Hmm. And hmm. it, you know, it worked fine. Yeah,
3: yeah. I I think Le- Lena Headey. I think that that was a standout. I uh, for for me. I think she just did a fantastic job with the lines uh, and and delivery. Because th- in the past, like we've seen shades of of goodness from evil in, but she she sold it um, the good and and the evil in the character. I guess
2: it did take me only like the second scene she was in as the the older lady that she was in the second episode where she. Yeah. Magestra, Magestra a filmation Magestra. callback. Yeah. But oh, I, at cool. first I was just like, wait a second, that's and then the second time she came back I'm like, oh, that's Lena Head, that's that's Eva Lynn. Yeah, Because yeah. She, she didn't she didn't mask, she didn't change her voice up enough and just had cuz she's got that that inflection she was using for, I think Eva Lynn was her voice. Mm-hmm. You know some of these actors had their voices as like I couldn't tell I know it was heavily modulated but Justin Long was Roboto didn't right. sound anything like Justin Long. I mean, obviously, Kevin Conroy was only in it minimally as um, Merman. But that's just, I mean, you get—you—you you got, he was put into this, I think, as the fact that it's Kevin Conroy. Yeah, You know, you got the name of Batman going yeah. up against uh, the Joker again. Right, right. But other than that, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, the voice performances, nothing was, nothing stood out to me as being terrible. So uh, sure, Sarah sure. Marcel Geller was excellent as Tila.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So, and we'll circle back to some of these these other characters that we we mentioned because they're all worth spending some time with. But um, on the character of Evil Lynn, the series saw some big shakeups in a lot of ways. We already talked about you know killing off Prince Adam, He Man, and Skeletor in the opening episode, but that set up Tila to kind of be the main character for us, and for it to be Tila's ad- adventure. But also, Evil Lynn was was an ally. And you talk about some of the goodness that we've seen broadcasted before so yeah definitely seeing some big shakeups to the masters of the universe landscape just in terms of like the m- magic being gone former villains becoming allies even beast man like kevin uh kevin michael richardson i always love yeah, when he gives great. a vocal performance and he was just perfect and what uh what'd you guys think of like some of the the character like change up designs like they were very reminiscent of who they were in in the classic series. But like, especially somebody like Beastman, I just thought they did a lot to beef him up and make him more menacing and make him more believable and and not as comical a character. Yeah. There definitely
2: wasn't a port where they did like in the original show where they basically just like banished him for all the Skeletor's (laughs) failures. But uh, before (laughs) we go, I, I didn't even think about this till now. And hopefully Dale knows this was, do we, is there an established, Time between end of episode one and the beginning of episode two, where there was the time when obviously Man at Arms got older, his hair is longer, and that's between how how long was it between Prince Adam dying and Tila going on that the the first quest? I mean, was it years or months or has that even been established?
3: I, I have not seen that officially established anywhere. I saw
0: five years being purported in a YouTube chat, I believe, but I don't know if that's confirmed, but that feels right. Yeah. It felt
3: like, yeah, three to five years in in, in my mind, um, just because Andra was not an established character. And it seemed like by the time she was introduced in that second episode, there was a history with her and Tila. It wasn't Mm -hmm. their first day on the job. So uh, I I feel like it was more years than, than just months.
2: OK, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it would have been almost been a little bit uh, helpful, I guess, to say, like, you know. Five years later or something, just right. to, I mean, you knew that there was a time gap, I mean, only mm-hmm. because Teela had a new haircut and they actually if you look at it and I didn't even realize this until I saw it the second time, she had a more like trimmed muscular design in the first episode. But then in the second episode and what she was going on to, she got beefier. Like she got like bulked up as a character, as a design. Like I actually, a lot of the female act the characters probably based more on the fact that what they were doing in the show got more like even evil Lynn had a, like a, like a beefier design. It wasn't like the technical, like the, the typical slim arms and uh, design like that from the old filmation. but it, it looked like they were designed more for an aesthetic look of what these characters would need to be in the situations they were in so again the animation just there was never any problem with the animation some of it was just gorgeous especially when they were sailing across the crystal sea Mm -hmm. some of that was just like wow
3: yeah and the 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 new character designs there were some interesting ones that that i really enjoyed seeing seeing a big bulky beast man uh you know that's 50 percent larger than than the other characters and and kind of seeing uh the story of what are the villains doing now without Skeletor at, at the helm? They're all kind of free agents and seeing yeah. uh, who they're aligned with. I, I thought that was pretty fascinating. Uh, the, the Triclops, his little cult of technology that was out there, did not yeah, expect yeah. that. Uh, but I, I I really liked the uh, them using Merman and, and Beastman the way they did. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The Triclops technology cult kind of gave me like almost like Mad Max vibes. Anybody? It
2: had a bit with them drinking the stuff to turn into well that I was trying to think of what that that reminded me of something else and it's been slipping my mind where they basically turn it's not quite like the Borg, but it's like they're 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 half living flesh, half uh you know, was it like the,
0: the Reavers in, in the comics.
2: Temple of Doom? No, no, no. I'm talking about something where they actually, they, 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 they basically start becoming more machine than man, um, as like a cult type thing. Like they, I guess it could almost be like the, um, oh crap. It's a star Wars thing in the expanding universe. It's not the Eugen, but I'll, it, it's not important. Uh, that whole scene was cool because with the whole scenes with, uh, when they were fighting against blast attack and, um, you saw Trapjaw and some of those things were just cool. And they actually do the throwback, which I liked because you could tell that one scene where Trapjaw got a fricking buzzsaw to the face. And then the next oh, scene you see him in the next show, they have him with the freaking scar in the eye. And mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, the,
0: the way they mm-hmm. shot that. So obviously let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the action, but that scene and that sequence in particular. So they really upped the ante, but so when it's it's the guy that ingested the techno fluid. He he got this buzzsaw arm that got broken off, and so later on, the character of uh, what was it? One more time, Andra.
3: Yes, Lieutenant Andra.
0: Okay. Yeah, Lieutenant Andra. Andra. Um, she causes the the buzz to come right down on his head, and they do a, a trick where the camera cuts away, but you still hear the impact. So you just imagine. I thought he might be dead. Yes, yes. you hear a
2: squish. It's like the you hear it. It's like oh okay.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and a trap jaw.
0: Yeah. I want to circle back to killing off characters because we've already talked about Prince Adam, but that's, he's not the only one to get killed off. And there's a reason that I thought maybe Trapjaw was gone. But anyway, just focusing on the action a little bit, they really do up the ante. And this is very much uh, Tila's story. I loved her, her weapon, that multi-purpose. It functions as a sword. It can become like a grappling hook. Very, very cool. Very well animated. Created some interesting choreography. But also on the other side of things, like a character that we haven't talked a, a ton about yet, Man at Arms, I feel like he benefited the most from this like high octane, like being able to put a little bit of a budget, just seeing him run aco- across the battlefield and the things he were doing he was doing was just oh so, so cool.
2: That yeah. opening scene and or the opening episode when they had that big melee fight at outside of Castle Greyskull. Was mm. Pretty much was like awesome because you see the freaking Bashosaurus come on, you see all the yep. Rotons coming out, and the yep. Lancha, all this stuff from the toys. It was literally this like, this is a thing that, as a kid with a full toy box, you could make this thing go, yeah, because it's just, it's just like everything, especially at the beginning when you had like Night Stalker. And just it's like they literally had more screen time, it seemed like a lot of these things in this show than they did in the original series, which they were designed for like. One episode, sell the toy. You don't need to see him again. So, these things, some of these things had purpose in there. So, yeah, but the action in that was just phenomenal between the fightings of all the the, the man at arms and all the the, his warriors and stuff like that. And just, uh, Uh,
3: well, even um, right before that, when the sorceress was defending the castle, just her. You know, no, there's just she's just got a crystal, and it's like cutting down all these minions, uh, the the skelcons and everything. It's like, oh wow, I guess a crystal can be pretty powerful against an entire army. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> but the action after that was was great. Different use of characters, um, like you said, lots of vintage vehicles. Uh, that was really exciting to see. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah they pretty did cool. utilize the Rotan and quite a few. I mean, that was like pretty much. I think Triclopses when he was going around trying to do his uh magic purge across the whole eternia that was like his vehicle of choice to attack people with so it's just like that was the thing Jay Scotty that like black the, c- uh, circular thing with the, the spinning uh, yeah, yeah, things on the yeah. outside of anyway. it so I gotcha. Cool. Yeah, that was a cool, cool toy to play with when uh, we were kids.
0: Oh I bet I could I could see you having a lot of fun <laughs> with the uh, spin action on that one. Cool. Oh yeah. Well, I, I kind of uh, alluded to it a little bit, but we, we did get some major major stakes and some major fallout in terms of character sacrifices. So not only <laughs> did we have the aforementioned Prince Adam die possibly twice, as well as Skeletor meeting his demise, we get Orko making a huge... I don't want to talk huge...
2: about it. <laughs> I, ta- I, I yeah. literally I paused it because was I was bawling
0: yeah like i was, was just like
2: oh no no yeah. but the thing is though it's on screen but him being in subternia when it happened
0: yeah and the, the character was such such a source of comic relief in like the classic 80s series and then they take him in, and then the first episode obviously he he feels very much the same and they do a great job of echoing that feel but they just <laughs> he almost killed the, cringer yeah, yeah right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but they just use the character so effectively here with him becoming sickly and weak with the loss of magic you just instantly are already feeling for him and then for him to to learn that he's the last of the the trollins discussion I mean, yeah. well yeah and then...
3: i i have a theory on that and i know this okay. is just a, a quick take episode but oh, okay. I, I feel like they weren't necessarily on the real t'rala that could have just been what Orko feared happened to t'rala based totally on fair. yeah them totally being fair. in subternia i mean i think they did a good job showing what what it looks like uh, and then later with the grave uh, because tralla is uh designed similar to that a lot of wild colors um, okay. but i i don't know for sure if tralla's is already devastated because when they talked about the magic leaving eternia they hadn't said that it's already affected the entire universe yet so, but you would that think that Trello,
2: Trello may be one of the first ones to get affected because it was such a magic, uh, source of magic. But yeah, I don't think that when they were in Subternia, any of the places they actually were were anywhere other than just them feeling like they were there. That was all, by the way, we haven't talked about this guy yet, but holy crap, Scare Yeah, Man, I wanted to I was
3: impressed. That. Yeah.
2: That was just, he did more in this episode, this series so far, than I ever seen him in anything else. So I mean,
0: we, we did the 10 episode primers and then he was a character that I was, I was not familiar. With. So I, I did want to ask is, are the realms of subternia as well as is it preternia preternia? Yeah. Are those, are those realms that were previously established?
3: Subternia isn't really used um, too often and okay. preternia. This was a new concept for preternia. So preternia okay. is literally um, a prehistoric eternia. Uh, combined together. This is Mm -hmm. the first time where they've used that idea that Paternia is heaven. So even though Andra used the line about them visiting heaven and hell, I didn't really believe Paternia was supposed to represent heaven until they were there. Like I still thought there was going to be some kind of time traveling element up until they were there and this really established, oh, if you had the the power of he or any kind of the power of Grayskull, you got to go to this special heaven. So,
0: right. This is your reward. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. So I, I, I was definitely a, a new idea. Um, okay. but, but I welcome one. I, I thought the, that idea was, was, was really smart.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to get some clarification on that, but yeah, let's go, let's go back to subterny and talk about, uh, glow and Tony Todd's performance there. Uh, it sounds like it's a character that you guys uh, had some familiarity with before this, this adaptation. So what, what can you tell me about him?
2: I can tell you on my end, his main thing as a collector is that anytime something comes out with Scareglow, it ends up within six months becoming way too expensive for anyone to ever try to get. <laughs> Even with like the, re- the release of the origin stuff, it was a figure that was, I think, short-packed, and then it was pushed back and so it did come out and it was like the rest of these things are 20 bucks this thing was going for a hundred dollars for the longest time because no one could get it it's like why is it, every time scarecrow comes out as a funko pop as an original figure it, it always is like on the secondary market it's ridiculous i mean it is a really cool ass looking figure because originally he was what in the series he was uh skeletor brought him back to be one of his evil champions or something. Oh okay. He well, he was
3: never featured in in filmation, filmation or in in Mike Young productions. It was this was strictly uh from the toy line um like uh, mini comics and such and he was billed yeah. as okay. the evil ghost of Skeletor not not literally Skeletor's ghost but like a ghost that works for Skeletor if that, if that was, what was was his name
2: like? What was his name like Zell or he had a name, like he was brought back and he was called, they called him Scareglow because he was a glowing skeleton that had a tendency to like scare people. Like he could okay. surprise them. Yeah. But, um, I'm trying to remember what his actual, he was just like the, uh, an evil fighter from somewhere else. And yeah, like I said, th- this was one of the things that this toy line continued way longer than the show did. And they had mm-hmm. no outlet to, um, to, uh, put all these new figures. So that's why there's some of the figures and some of the, uh, characters that have come in and can potentially come into the show are things that you have really have never seen in an, an animated series before because oh. there just wasn't any
3: like like seeing blast attack I, I don't know if it's too early to get into the millions of easter eggs but yeah blast attack um has never been in animation before so that's oh, a sweet. Uh, kamikaze character
2: yeah he was the man he was the guy in castle grayskull that was hitting the buttons that ended up blowing up
0: Oh, gotcha! Cool, cool. Okay.
2: Yeah. So he, but again, he's got figures and Funko Pops and stuff. But again, it's yeah. never been. Uh... Uh,
0: I'll be super excited to hear all the Easter eggs that you guys caught because even like just having watched the like eleven or twelve episodes that I watched, I caught some Easter eggs. So I'll, I'll be really excited to hear all the ones that you caught. But yeah, I think that's uh, that does some pretty good coverage for Scare Glow. I will just say they use the character very effectively and it's really cool to hear mm-hmm. that that's like a long anticipated character that got to be realized, but not only did he serve like a great purpose and, and set Orko up for that great sacrifice, but also his interactions with Tila <clears throat> provided for some of that great action I, I, I talked about, but action is always highlighted when it's not just action for action's sake, but when it can um, cause some character development. And that was some huge character development for Tila. And even Orko, the, orc,
2: the sure, scene with sure. Orko, and when you find out about the whole... And I can't remember if the whole Oracle thing was something that was established before with his name. That was actually kind of interesting when they said that, you know, it's him not... Sort of like when you find out that on like Game of Thrones that Hodor is actually just short for him hold saying, the door. Hold the door, hold the right, door, right. then it just gets morphed into that, so...
3: Well, that, that, that was a new idea for, for the series. Uh, originally, okay. the character's name was Gorpo. I'm not making <laughs> that up. And um, when Filmation came along, they put a big O on his chest. So that way, if they flipped the cell around, he still had the same. He looked the same. Um, okay. That's honestly where the O for Orko came from. But the the, the character w- was great. And I really uh, uh, um, thought it was a, a smart idea by um, the voice actor that they didn't try to duplicate Lou Scheimer's voice from the filmation series, which was, you know, a very, you know, goofy, little um, youthful sound versus what they tried to do is I, I think from the Mike Young Productions, He-Man, um, the, or- the actor that played Orco, Gabe Kuth, who sadly passed away two years ago. I think oh, okay. they used that as their baseline for this Orco voice. And it was like, spot on. So if you go watch an episode of that and then watch an episode of the new one, it's an excellent take, I think, on, on Orco.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Griffin Newman, who the only thing I really recognize him from is he was on the Amazon Prime uh, series, The Tick, which got uh two seasons i think before it got canceled but uh i love all iterations of the tick and at some point on animation deliberation we will tackle <laughs> that 90s uh tick series but that's neither here nor there
2: put it on the list right
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the ever growing list but.
2: well if you if you're talking about voice acting we almost have to talk about even though he was a very minor character in the this uh, this series
0: but mm. the importance
2: mm. of having mossman
0: oh yeah sure
2: so I don't know if you're going to bring that up or what, but that's something that's, uh, I mean, having, was it Alan Oppenheimer? Correct. Yeah. Do the voice of Moss, but he was originally Skeletor in the Filmation series.
3: Yeah, and, and, and Duncan and Cringer, yeah.
2: Yeah, so they yeah. got him. They got him. Just that That's just the, you know, Kevin Smith. And you saw, if you watched it on the Revelations after show, was just like them talking to him saying, this is just, you know, the fact that we could still have him. 'Cause he looked like I mean, he looks like he's gotta be in his late eighties,
0: nineties now. Yeah. Yeah, gotta be close to ninety, I would imagine. Yeah.
2: So but he fit per I mean the Moss band character fit. And that was another one too that it wasn't quite as uh devastating as a death at the beginning when he gets It was just much like right skin. away.
0: I mean, yeah, he gets incinerated <laughs> too. Yeah. You, Cause you saw his like skeletal <clears throat> silhouette, like burn away. That was like pretty, yeah. pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Now um, the character of Mossman, that was another one that you guys talked about the toy, like him be- smelling like pine salt and whatnot. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, But did he serve a similar role? I mean, we, we talked, uh, or it's been marked. This series has been marketed and we've kind of talked about how this is a direct continuation from He-Man and the masters of the universe. So I, I imagine they, you know, treated that that character the same way as well, he came across as almost like a tree beard like character to kind of yeah um allude to Lord of the Rings, yeah, okay,
2: yeah, he represented the like the whole environmental aspect like okay he was okay. the he was the forest like he even said in here he's a million years old, and you know uh it was basically representing the uh the the whole living side of eternia, it wasn't all magic, there was a lot of mm. living stuff there, and it was pretty much he was the representation of it, yeah.
0: Okay, so, cool, But then cool. you got to
2: see him again at the end in, uh, in Preternia. Yeah, yeah. Was, that, was, that was nice to see him. Uh, yeah,
3: of back. any of the characters that we saw get killed off of the what was it, five or six, I think mm-hmm. that's that's the only one who's soundly going to stay where they are. I don't think they'll go like a baby Groot route and bring him back <laughs> or anything like yeah, that. no. <laughs>
2: Like I could see them bringing roboto back because he's obviously was a, a robot, which they gave him sort of a a sentience or what do you say he feared he he got fear at the end, so yeah you know yeah. Well, but his that was another thing. it was a death sacrifice because he was the one that forged sword, so
0: yeah uh, that was a really heartfelt moment when you saw that little spark in his in his chest cavity kind of wisp away there at the last moment, but Roboto was another one of those characters that i I wasn't familiar with. So I actually went back and and did a little bit of research and I found out he only appeared in one episode from the Filmation series and Mm -hmm. he has a vastly different origin from the origin that gets described in Revelation. So I actually went back and I've only seen the one episode from the Mike Young series so far, but I watched uh, Roboto's Gambit. So I got to see that take on the character and it seems like they're kind of leaning more into that um, version of Roboto, maybe not so much being a a chess machine where they, they describe him as, basically being based off of man at arms, young personality. So what, what more can you tell me about Roboto that, uh, that I should know? No, I,
3: I... I think it was a good uh, expansion of, of the character. So Kev- okay. Kevin Smith has said that they couldn't use too much from that 2002 series because of um, the rights being it's, it was another animation studio. Um, mm. So it's cause Mike Young, they got bought out by someone else that, got bought out some, someone else same as the filmation series has sure, sure. um so they couldn't use too many direct things from that but there were some design elements like triclops doom and stinkor. the look of them they looked very similar to to that series um, but yeah roboto just think of him like duncan made him to assist him in the lab and to also be some kind of a soldier i guess in, in case there weren't enough masters universe around the they, they they could use these these robot warriors instead,
2: mm-hmm. right. which is why he had everything that Duncan knew, because he, he could assist them by having the same knowledge of him at that time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that was a true. cool aspect.
0: Yeah, well, he meets his uh his demise in this in this forge in Preternia they basically assemble to kind of describe the story. I'm assuming everybody that's listened to the podcast this long is knows what's going on, but they had the two different swords that the, to reunite the, the is it the power sword or the sword of power?
2: Yes. Same
0: same thing it's referred to as the, as both it's interchangeable there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and in preternia, we get introduced to a lot of these precursors, these, um, former champions that were, you know, the champions of Eternia and we actually get to meet Grayskull, the namesake of castle Grayskull by the power, the one that Adam is calling upon. So what did you guys think about getting to see that character? Was it faithful to previous adaptations? Is that a character that we we've seen previously or or what should I know about Grayskull? Let me know.
3: Uh, That that's from the, the 2002 series as well. Um, So they changed his design um, mm. his eth- ethnicity up a little bit, um, but okay. it's essentially still the same character. Um, if okay. you do pick up the prequel comic that's out now from Dark Horse, he's featured in the first issue of that. Mm. Um, but the design is, is, is really still, it's recognizable. Um, in that in that canon, he was kind of the, the first person where they started Castle Grayskull with him, but it, it was just amazing to see that they brought that character back. And then the other characters that they had in their preterny in heaven there. That was, that, there was some deep cuts there. Um, okay. so, uh, one of them there, uh, Wondar, which is, uh, basically, uh, known as, he's known as Wonder Bread He-Man. Uh, my, <laughs> my, my teenager was like the bread guy made it really. <laughs> so, uh, so that was, that was kind of a deep cut to see him. Uh, the guy with the helmet that's Vicor. Um, so that was a, a concept for, for He-Man. Um, who did finally get an action figure just a few years ago. But uh, some some really uh, deep cuts there as far as the characters um, and, and beasts and things that showed up in Fraternia.
2: And like cool. Hero. I mean, he had... I don't think he ever... I mean, he had figures, I know that. He had the uh, the Mattel one that was out like the 12-year... What was the one that was... The the, the, the Maddie Club?
3: Yeah, so um, he was finally made for... Classics. Uh, And then Super Super Seven did a retro style figure just a few years ago. But that's um, a figure that was never made back in the day. So there was a prototype made of of Hero and another character, Eldor, where the toy line was going to divulge more into the powers of Grayskull, um, a a prehistoric thing with with a lot of dinosaurs. So all they ever ever ended up making were just three dinosaurs. um, But there's a lot more there were a lot more ideas to continue the line down that path. Um, so seeing hero in animation was another really, really cool thing to see.
0: Sweet. Sweet. Um, I do want to circle back to grayskull a little bit. Uh, the voice was instantly recognizable to me. Did you guys recognize the voice of, of King grayskull? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's
2: bringing, uh, Dennis Hayesburg.
0: <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I the mean, got from the, uh, all state commercials. Right, you're in good
2: hands. <laughs> All state exactly. Pedro Serrano <laughs> from major league president Palmer, uh, most recently, it's not a spoiler, but he played God on Lucifer.
0: Oh, did he? Okay. Uh, yeah. He has a little so, stint on Brooklyn nine, nine as well that I won't spoil.
2: But, oh yeah. Yeah. But no, Haysburg, his voice, regardless of what he's doing, if he's, if it's his voice, it's like, you know who that is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a perfect casting there. He's got such gravitas and such, uh, a regal sound so i was i was really impressed it's almost
2: like he's like the the modern day james earl jones as far as like you hear a voice like that and it has such presence more than anything it's just it's a it's a commanding voice and what better to have the pretty much the number one hero from like guardian from the the whole eternia line than him you know it's just you know especially like if it's stuff that he does, if he does like, and he's done it in Lucifer where he like yells and it's almost like it bellows itself. Like his <laughs> voice just has that quiet. And then you could hear it echo like, wow. Okay. That's just his natural voice. There's no reverb on that.
3: Yeah. I, <laughs> that That's not um, a character that I was worried about the voice. I, I think he did a, a fine performance. The The one I think most people were worried about was, was Stinkor and and honestly, oh, yeah. Jason Mewes, he, he did not, he didn't take me out of it. He, he did
2: fine. I'll just leave it there. And I think his voice was <laughs> modulated a bit too. So it didn't sound he, like Jason Mewes. Yeah.
0: He didn't, he didn't have very many lines. I think he had the one, like, get your stinking hands off my, my grub, your, your merches or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah did you a dirty murk. Yeah. yeah. And then he belts
2: yeah. and then that was it. Yeah. I mean, Plus. so many other things like you could tell Henry Rollins was Triclops, but I, I just hear him from being a, a fan of him for for Black Flag and Rollins band. I heard I've I've seen him probably five or six times on his solo like spoken word tours where he just goes and talks about his literature and other stuff. And his voice oh, okay. is just I mean it's Henry Rollins' voice. So yeah. when he's on some animated show, like he was great when he was in um, Cora, The Legends of Cora. Oh okay, so cool. just having his voice there. But like I said, the 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 acting, the the actors and actresses they chose for
0: this were nothing was
2: nothing pulled you out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. no no i i agree they all did stellar jobs now um let's let's it sounded like preternia was uh, provided a, a nice land, landscape for a lot of the easter eggs and a lot of the payoffs for long time fans so let's just go ahead and get into that let's let's talk about some of your guys favorite callbacks easter eggs little nods um just off the top of my head i, I think about when in the first episode when Orco had cringer encased in the bubble and it's like we need to pop this bubble who has the power. And then that's when Prince Adam gets his introduction. He gets to, I have the power. it's like a nice little (laughs) wink to the camera. (laughs) Right.
2: They did a good job. And I'm going to circle back on this a bit where little things that would come across as being the quippy, what are known as like dad jokes. Now lines were automatically followed up by them explaining it. Like, when they s uh they're like oh merman that guy was a little fishy wasn't he they're like come on everyone's <laughs> thinking that like they used a great way of like deflection for the humor especially like the heaven and hell thing uh but going back to I mean my main thing with the uh uh I, I'm sure Dale caught this and um even though some people don't like to remember it there was a live action movie uh with Dolph Lundgren and what was the one line is like let's let this be our final battle yep and yep. they had that when they were fighting Skeletor and He Man at the end of the first episode. Oh, nice! That's cool. So it was like, up. Oh, that was right from the that movie. That is more. I watch it more now for Mystery Science Three or Three Thousand in my head, watching <laughs> it because it's not a very good movie. It's not level bad of like Last Airbender or you know Dark Tower or stuff like that. It's just it's it was. It was a poorly made, just, and you could, I mean, they, they ran out of money and then they didn't know how, you know, it's, it's a goofy concept too. So.
3: Yeah. That, that was a good callback to the movie. Uh, also from the movie for Frank Langella's line, I am as a God, you know, seeing Skeletor become a God basically at, at the end. Okay. A real deep cut is Tila's little communicator thing that she was, going through Stinkor's house to find right. the bracelet or whatever. So that is the same design as a communicator that Duncan has in the live action movie. I was oh, like, nice. where, how did they pull that one off? But uh, <laughs> That's cool. that, that was a really uh, interesting uh, one to see. There. I
2: didn't even notice that thing. Cause I think I might be not paying attention much when I'm watching a movie. Cause I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> one thing I, uh, my, my kids picked up on is, like the citizens of Eternia, there was some um, diversity there. They were not just oh, yeah. a bunch of people that looked the same um, royal types. Like there, there was cat people. There was um, mm-hmm. people that looked like uh, Stinkor, his, his race, and yeah. um, dog-looking people. So uh, that, that was kind of interesting uh, to see that.
2: Yeah, They had a a bigger budget on this one than they did back in 1982. They're like, you know what?
3: We have all these different alien species and different races and things. Why don't we use them? They already exist.
0: Yeah. Now um, we, we mentioned some of the like Easter eggs to He-Man and masters of the universe itself, but I do have to bring up a few, uh, what I think are nods, whether they were intentional or not. And I have to give credit to some of these from our our community, the stranded panic community. I know they, called out some of these but paul hoppy i know he was really excited for uh masters of the universe he brought up the fact that uh with the opening episode being tila's coronation as i'm going to call it coronation as a man at arms maybe there's a more pro- appropriate term promotion what have you um, they have the line today's the day and that as a, a podcast that has covered young justice it was really funny that he pointed out that the pr- uh, pilot episode of young justice that is a recurring line there today's the day you see all the like the title characters say today's the day today's the day today's the day but then the other thing in episode two talking about Stinkor and getting to see some of the other uh, denizens of Eternia uh, you have him get launched out and land on that guy's cart which felt like a a huge oh I thought that I, I, to no, no, I, yeah I
2: was just saying, my cabbages yep. <laughs> exactly. I thought that as soon as he, as soon as that happened it's just my cabbages yeah, exactly, exactly.
3: <laughs> and and then right after that uh, same same scene guys um, she flips him the bag of money sorry about the mess like Han in mm-hmm. the cantina Oh, like
2: Han in the cantina
0: yeah oh good c- yep. good catch good catch nice yep. yeah
2: there were some homages to some other stuff um, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know if this is a different take on it, and you guys could probably lean on this on too as well, because we watched the episode. When Cringer says to Tila, you're the one that called me Cringer when I was being, you know, rehabilitated. In the Filmation series the episode we watched, I thought the kids were making fun of him, calling him Cringer.
0: Yeah, it seemed like one particularly nasty kid was like... Yep. He's a yeah.
2: cringer. What a cringer. Yeah. And I didn't know if that, I, it had been a while since I seen the 2002 series if they had changed it there, but I was just like, okay, that's like another origin of a name that didn't seem to fit. But again, it's a, it's, a, it's not, it's not, it's not nothing that if we had watched that episode, it would have just been like, okay, but this we had just watched it in the last week. It was like, okay, that just seems like a direct, uh, just contradiction of that. Sure. Not that it mattered at all, but it was just like, okay, it just I, seemed weird.
3: Yeah, I don't know where they pulled that from, <laughs> but but for the scene, it really fit because establishing that cringer and teela's relationship was uh there really was something there. It wasn't just she was off in the distance and they didn't let her in on on the secret, so she wasn't a part of their tight-knit club. He was saying, Hey, you you know me, I I know you, we we trust each other. It's time to get your act together. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked oh. whether whether Kevin Smith made that up or not
2: <laughs> and, and while we're talking about secrets how about the two times there was two times that they got stopped where Tila seemed like she would was going to find out that she was the sorceress's daughter the first one man in arms was tell, gonna say and then Evelyn's just like no more just family crap right now yeah <laughs> and the next one Adam was gonna say something to her and she's like just shut up let me be angry So it's like you don't know now. She's gonna find out. I can just see the 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 scene where she finally finds out she's the sorceress's daughter, and she turns and looks and Adam if he's still alive. And Man in Arms are just like, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't keep that secret from you as well. Just like she was. I mean, that's the whole. That's the whole. You know, justification for the first part of the move. The show is that she was pissed. She was pissed. Everyone was pissed that everyone knew. I mean, frigging King Randor banished Man in Arms and Tila said, Screw this, I don't want to be man. I'm I, I'm gonna become a like a, a mercenary now and a bounty hunter. Like, to, holy
3: crap. Yeah, to me, that was the biggest shocker of that first episode was not these characters getting killed off. Because I've seen characters get killed off in comics and they bring them back when when it's convenient for the story. But it was Tila, well, Randor's response, um, Cause he's in shock. But Tila's response saying, are you kidding me? I'm out.
2: <laughs> yeah. And you could totally tell too, that, uh, queen Marlene knew, like she knew that Adam was He-Man because he was, she was like, be safe. And then when oh, totally. she was the one that told Randor, she was like, not just He-Man's dead. Our son is dead. Like what? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was a revelation that they, but that whole aspect of them responding to that, like, cause then that was the thing too, is that they made the designs of the characters, different enough unlike the filmation where it literally was Adam looked like He-Man with Oh yeah. It, 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 instead of being bare chested, he was wearing a lot of pink. So that was the only difference. So that's why they made it a lot more uh record real, real they realized more that they could take it. It wasn't quite a Clark Kent uh Superman type situation where mm-hmm. it was just like, oh he's mm-hmm. got glasses on. it's not the same guy. Yeah. So
0: yeah. two things you you brought up there that I wanna um kind of highlight on. Um, the first being, you know, we we already kind of talked about it being Teela's story, but yeah, you do have that moment where she's just like fed up. And it, it kind of makes sense because we talked about in those the primer episode that we did, like as great as that series was and as empowering um, at the time, you know, to see a, a capable uh, woman in that kind of position. We did talk about how it was. It did didn't exactly sit well with us that she was the only one not in on this on the secret. It just kind of felt like an, a little bit of an affront and a slight to that character. So it's nice that they kind of recognize that. And I think anybody that has an issue with that, uh, I mean, I, I won't I won't get into it too heavily here, but it's just like. It felt like the right, the right course and an acknowledgement of some of the shortcomings of the, of the franchise previously. Uh, but then the other thing is you did talk about like the physicality and the difference between um, Prince Adam and He-Man. So I, with that in mind, I wanted to ask what you guys thought about like the transformation sequence. We only got to see it the, the one time, but that was such a, an iconic part of the classic series. And we saw it over and over and over again. So I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about the, the updated version.
2: I got that was one of outside of Orko's death, there was two other times in the show where I got physically like emotional from it. And that was one of the first ones because it was just Mm. like this is the this is the the signature moment of the show. This is the you know the thing that most people remember you see He-Man, oh, you know, I have the power. You know. Mm. So and then when they did it, it wasn't a carbon copy of any of the other ones. They did it their own. And, you know, they did it with Flourish and everything because it was the only time they did it, but it was. I thought it was well executed,
3: yeah, yeah. Well, watching it with my kids, and they noticed okay, he's got to clear the room, he's got to bolt the doors there. No one else gets to see this, but but us, the viewer, I guess it looked cool,
2: <laughs> yeah. And on that same notice, or on the same notice, on the same topic at the beginning, the only time in any of the episodes I saw where they did the actual full explanation intro like they used to do. In the original filmation, if I and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dale, they used to say it, and only three others share the secret: Man at Arms, the Sorceress, and Orko. Where in this one, they added Cringer to that list. Right. They said four people know it, and they showed Cringer in the the list of the four people. So they consider Cringer a because he's, I mean, he's an animal, but he's a freaking talking animal. He he's he's got sentience. So it's just like yeah. yeah. So he's uh they finally brought him into the group of the select people that knew of his secret yeah they could have actually put like queen marlena in there too but then that would have been like a total giveaway of it
3: yeah (laughs) so traditionally marlena is also in on it it's just it's it's not talked about it's it's kind of a thing where it's uh mother's intuition yeah she she knows
0: (laughs) i buy that i buy that yeah
2: yeah Yeah. she can see that that's her kid
0: no well, do you guys have anything else you want to say about these these five episodes before we kind of transition to maybe uh, expectations for the next set of episodes?
2: I wanted to say, I, I, I got fed up this morning when I saw that there was people attacking this for not meeting the... This is what happens when people think of something and it it only happens it seems like with a super beloved franchise it happens with star wars it happens with other things where people were just taking it, it didn't meet up to what they exactly thought it was going to be and then they, they completely just crapped on the whole thing and we're like this isn't it it is and we brought this up in our primer this is masters of the universe this isn't he-man in the masters of the universe this is based on this whole thing and so i just th- thought more about it and was just like you know what i'm just gonna let let it lie and let that, you know, I'm not going to get, I, it, it, people that know me know that I don't get angry. I normally totally did this actually got me kind of aggravated like this. Again, people that just sit there, I'm not going to go so far as to call them like keyboard incels or, you know, you know, keyboard jockeys that give this back. It's the only way that they can spout off because I could tell you this. If people are out there saying that, Oh, this whole thing's a woke show. This isn't a woke show. This is there was nothing that totally made it more except for the fact is that the main characters, which if you look back at the original filmation show, Tila was a main character in the show. Man in arms has a lot of points in the show too. Yes, they did take the main antagonist and protagonist and sort of sideline them because that was the point of the story. Was them, you know, it it was like in Force Awakens, Luke Skywalker's gone. We gotta find Luke Skywalker. This is we have to do our thing in order to try to bring the magic back into the uh, into the world they didn't know that adam was going to be in uh you know pre tourney and stuff like that so with that being said i'm just not going to say anything more about it
3: i i just love that they went that route that they we didn't see a filmation series uh in 2021 because this series is made for a a 30 30 to 50 year old viewer like this is the adult series so if it would have been you know a 22 minute uh, thing where he-man spoils Skeletor's caper of the week yeah that would have been disappointing
2: like he ruins his birthday party and at the end like get <laughs> birthday cake drops on Skeletor then there's a there's a lesson about you know you know befriending even like the bad kid in school or blah blah, blah. no
3: yeah I mean in, in in recent years DC has had enough Different uh, Motu stories come out. It, it fills an entire omnibus now, and it's in its excellent storytelling because it's not something you would have thought of as a kid in the 1980s. It's it's really you know professional writers saying, "What else can we do with this universe? What besides seeing this most powerful man kick butt every week? What else? What other stories can we tell? What's happening with these side characters?"
2: Yeah. And who's to say that once, once this thing comes back, I'm pretty sure Skeletor in the back half of season one is going to have a pretty damn big part in it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. cool your tits. This is, you know,
0: yeah, this is it, just the first part of it. It's one of those things. I never really buy that argument of like, you're ruining my childhood. Like if you want that classic series, go back and watch that yeah. classic series. Yes. It's there on YouTube for they you. And the it was whole very thing
3: on YouTube. Exactly.
0: It's easy. Exactly. You've got two different <laughs> series. You can go back and visit, but the, the, They'd Complain about that if they would complain about that if
2: it was actually a carbon copy. There'd be people say, Oh, this is exactly like the original series. Why did they do that? I, I I exactly,
0: exactly. But from the very beginning, this series was touted as being the continuation. So, like, looking back at that 80s series, we talked about it being a little f- formulaic, man. It was very episodic, but there was always that like ultimate threat like, what happens if the, the power of Castle Grayskull? actually does get into Skeletor's hands. And we actually get to see that play out. And the, with the character of Teela, it was like she was made to forget her destiny, but now this is the natural progression. We've seen her forget. Now it's time for her to step in to that role. And like you guys said, it's not He-Man and the Masters of the Universe anymore. It's Masters of the Universe revelation. There's going to be some revelations. There's going to be things that you thought were true that are no longer true. That's the definition of a revelation. So it's just... uh
2: and I, didn't, I didn't know with Tila too there was that scene at the beginning in the first episode when the sorceress is sitting there holding stuff back and she basically says she's like if this is it I wanted to see Tila one more time
0: oh yeah and I, I guess Tila was that. probably
2: like what why what is with everyone yeah. all of a sudden it's just like yeah. they, you know they it's, it's it's I I just can't wait for them to just show the fact that Tila is the sorceress's daughter. If they I mean they're obviously yeah. keeping unless that's another one of these easter eggs that they're making it seem like it is and then they change it. I mean that's sort of a through line that they have to keep her being the sorceress's daughter.
3: Yeah, I mm-hmm. I just I really hope they don't save that until the end of episode 10. Like let's yeah. address that a little bit earlier. And I was really surprised Characters that were killed off, that Sorceress wasn't one of them, she's still in the mix right now, so we should still be able to see some scenes between Sorceress and, and Tila.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that Fallout in the beginning of episode six with Skeletor being in Castle Grayskull now. I mean, like, what's she gonna do? It's like, uh, okay. <laughs>
0: I kind of want to go back to the just as we're kind of like tr- talking about expectations for the, the second half here on the on the subject of like the character of evil Lynn, seeing that we got to see like some of her, her good natured and her she have those moments with not only Orko, but even, um, you know, Tila, do we think that there's that's going to be like a through line going into the the back half? Do we? I mean, that's the thing about like Skeletor, like in his absence, basically all of his minions it it really seemed like Evil Lynn was the only one that missed him even, like, a little bit.
2: <laughs> I think if it comes to a point where she realizes that Skeletor is going to lose, and then if Adam's still around or whatever, or the side of good is going to win, she'll probably slip back over and okay. then help defeat... I mean, because she just seems like she wants to be on the side of whoever's in charge. Because she did, she did have... Like she even said, she's like, I even started liking these kids, and then walked yeah. over to the, you know, switch sides. Like, okay, there's your true colors yeah, right there. she
3: her end game was not to resurrect Skeletor. Her end game is, is to have the power for herself. Yeah. So so if if that's what it comes down to, yeah, I think she'll side with whoever she can in order to, um, take on the most power for, for herself.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, any characters that didn't pop up here that you're, you're hoping to see show up? I mean, obviously we have a cast list. I don't, I, I don't know if, Everybody we expected to, to see has already showed up. off,
2: Zodak, Buzz Off, Um, I'm just naming off characters. I could, I could just I could have just seen them. They could have easily been placed in that opening battle scene. Sure. But it would have probably been just like, oh, uh, you can't waste them. Just having them be there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, because those are pretty some of those characters. Uh, Hordak. I mean, who knows if that if they're going to even bring in any of that. Because I mean, he even though he was more on the Shira side, he was still a popular. Masters of the Universe type character, but mm-hmm. and, and they couldn't have done just a whole character dump in these first five episodes. I think it was perfect with everyone they brought in. Served a purpose to an extent.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Um, we got a couple good shots of Fisto and Clampchamp, but other yeah! than that, it was just like, hey, here's some generic um, Eternian soldiers. Because I think they knew um, they weren't. We weren't going to get backstory for all these A list heroes. So okay there wasn't, wasn't room to bring them all in because it, it wasn't their story. We didn't have that kind of time.
2: Okay. <laughs> that was cool. I totally yeah. forgot about that when they were charging up and you see Fisto and clam like running next to each other. And it's just like, yeah, here we go. Here's some more guys that got figures.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I went ahead and pulled up the cast list here. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the only person that's on this cast list that we did not see in these first five episodes was, uh, Harley Quinn Smith's Ileena. So,
2: yep yeah because they didn't uh, that was a that's i mean like we did in our primer that's a super deep cut too. one episode of sure, a character sure, that sure. most people don't recognize but it could be a totally different character or yeah i mean it's i'm just waiting now to see when they say when this it's hopefully it's not like transformers where this next series doesn't drop until like december like have I, wait I I think for... we
3: could be waiting six months, so I think we're going to have plenty of time to rewatch these five episodes again and again.
2: Well, at least on the same note as like being uh, like, there's enough stuff. This whole week has been like a uh, like a reminiscing type thing because I I went and saw Snake Eyes today, which was oh, cool. the G.I. Joe movie, and then nice. the final. Th- trilogy in the War for Cybertron and Transformers drops next Friday which is a Beast Wars pretty much centric thing so it's like it's my my grade school years all over again in the yeah. matter of like yeah. 8 days yeah
0: <laughs> Now um I guess my my final question for you guys is kind of like the more hardcore Masters of the Universe fan I don't know did you guys go over the like the the trailer with like a fine tooth comb is there anything else that was like perhaps in the trailer that could maybe give us some clues about what to expect on these these second set of episodes.
3: I, I think most of the, the trailer clips were pulled from the first most were in the first, but I think they were first, second, and third episodes only. So okay. I think graphically we hadn't seen anything from episodes four and five.
1: Oh, um, okay. But okay. it's
3: it's really interesting. The people that did nitpick the trailers with the fine tooth comb, they they called um, that not being He Man in the cloak, that being Faker, sorceress blowing his arms off. I'm like, wow! People predicted that thing perfectly from the the little clips in in the trailer, and I thought that was a really exciting way to start off the series of of seeing Faker and then defeated, and then oh, it's not you know, and uh, just action right away made made a really exciting first episode.
2: Yeah, because they did good. They did a good uh, shot with that because they thought it was. Skeletor was one character, and then he turned out to be another character. Then it was He Man, but then He Man's at Castle Grayskull, and then they cut to a shot at Adam, in uh, the the ca- at the castle, and it's just like, oh, crap, oh okay. sh- now this, <laughs> team, this is maybe who I'm trying to think in my mind, who else could? Oh, it's Faker! Holy crap! Okay, mm-hmm. go back to there. I want to see what's happening over at Castle Grayskull because now all three of them are in Castle Grayskull.
0: Yeah. So it was uh was. Faker's steed was that a stridor uh, cut deep cut there? It, or? it,
3: it was made to look like stridor, but it was actually Night Stalker in disguise.
0: Oh, okay, cool, cool, okay. yes.
3: And then another, uh, Easter egg there is they called him uh, Nightmare, um, yeah. but um, which was an original name for Night Stalker, but it was already trademarked for the horse in um, Dungeons and Dragons, Daggett. so they couldn't oh, okay. use it uh, for Motu. Um, but they got the name in there. And then, yeah, we got to see Spike or and Clawful uh, in an illusion there for just a minute before they dissolved into uh, other characters.
0: Okay. All right. Well, cool. Um, I think I've I've said everything that I wanted to say as far as my instant reactions for this these first five episodes go. I'm really impressed. I'm really excited to see where we go from here. I think uh, excellent job to everybody that was involved. Mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to say?
2: I wish it could be. I wish the second half of drop right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you yeah. hear something soon. Uh,
3: one more great Easter egg was when they went to Snake Mountain and they made it look more like the vintage playset. Like there's a trap door and a literal mm. like black net that your toy would fall into. Like that's a part of the show now. I just, I thought that was so great. And then um, Tila had a line about, oh, there's only one way to get in. And I'm thinking, is she just going to say walk around to the back because the side of the castle or the mountain is open, but no, it was, it was get out your shovel. I hope you brought one. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. It definitely was a love letter to the kids that are the adults now that play with the toys a lot as, as kids in the mid eighties.
0: Well, sweet, sweet. Well, uh, thank you guys again for appearing on animation deliberation and lending your expertise and your knowledge. Uh, Really uh, appreciate you lending your time. So with that in mind, I will go ahead and uh, give you an opportunity to let the people know about what you got going on.
2: Well, for me, it's just uh, the source pages podcast. Uh, We're on all the major platforms, comic books and novels that cover primers and continuations and source material for all the geeky TV shows and movies we love. We're doing a lot of Marvel stuff. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's my show, but I, I think it's a fun show. We're getting a lot of positive reaction from it. And it's just fun to talk about, like even coming on here, this isn't uh this is a labor of love because it's fun talking about age stuff that I love and be, you know, finally getting able to talk about stuff like this in a, in a more, you know, collective way, instead of just geeking out with your friends, it's, it's kind of cool. So that's what we do over on that podcast.
0: So. Definitely. Dale.
3: Uh, n- nothing really to plug uh, other than, Um, don't pay attention to the negative reviews. Uh, I'm really, I'm hoping, um, over the next five, six months or however long until we get some more episodes, um, we'll get to see people explain what they didn't like about it more. Um, versus just saying it's terrible, it ruined my childhood, etc. So um, there's sure. plenty of uh, of, uh, of Facebook groups where you can uh, get both sides of the issue, and then um, for even more conversation, uh, check out the the forums on he-man.org.
0: Sweet, sweet. Uh, for myself, I'll do a little bit of shameless plugging here. I'm hoping with uh, Masters of the Universe dropping, maybe we've gotten a few. New listeners, if that's the case, it's been a while since we've gotten a new review, so drop us a a review. We are still a relatively new show, so we'd appreciate the love if you like what we're doing here. Let us know that we're doing a good job. Um, Other than that, I am appearing on uh, some Bingers Assemble coverage for the upcoming James Gunn version of Suicide Squad, so we had a lot of fun. Uh, Matthew Carroll and Ashley Coffin, both of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, joined me for that one, and that was a lot of fun, so... Keep your ears out for that one, and I think that'll do it. So keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N.
1: Pew-pew. I have the power! Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast,
2: a proud member of the Stranded Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit Strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Strandapanda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com groups svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed.
1: You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi.